Art Scene Now on WVIA, a conversation conducted in July of 2021. Maybe you got to hear John O'Donohue when he came to Scranton to speak at an arts conference at Marywood University some years ago, or maybe you know him from his writing. John O'Donohue was a poet, author, and former priest from the west of Ireland. He tells us his father, Paddy, and his uncle, Pete, introduced him to the beauty of landscape, the beauty of work, and the beauty of spirit, and... He went on to write a book of insights into the whole concept of beauty. O'Donohue sets out his aim in the introduction. We live between the act of awakening and the act of surrender. Each morning we awaken to the light and the invitation to a new day in the world of time. Each night we surrender to the dark to be taken to play in the world of dreams where time is no more. At birth we were awakened and emerged to become visible in the world. At death we will surrender again to the dark to become invisible. Awakening and surrender, they frame each day and each life. Between them, the journey where anything can happen, the beauty and the frailty. These times are riven with anxiety and uncertainty given the current global crisis in the hearts of people some natural ease has been broken. It is astounding how this has reached deep into the heart. Our trust in the future has lost its innocence. We know now that anything can happen from one minute to the next. The traditional structures of shelter are shaking, their foundations revealed to be no longer stone, but sand. We are suddenly thrown back on ourselves, politics, religion, and economics, and the institutions of family and community. All have become abruptly unsure. At first, it sounds completely naive to suggest that now might be the time to invoke and awaken beauty. Yet this is exactly the claim. Why? Because there is nowhere else to turn. He continues, We know beauty is not all brightness. In the shadowlands of pain and despair, we find slow, dark beauty. The primeval conversation between darkness and beauty is not audible to the human ear, and the threshold where they engage each other is not visible to the eye. Yet at the deepest core, they seem to be at work with each other. The guiding intuition of our exploration suggests that beauty is never one-dimensional or one-sided. This is why, even in awful circumstances, we can still meet beauty. Woundedness is one of the places where normal words and descriptions break down. We know the distance words have to travel whenever we attempt to tell someone of the pain we feel. It's no wonder, then, that the wound as the sore point of vulnerability cries out for some new form in which to express itself. As we have seen, The beauty of great poetry and music is often infused with pathos. Where woundedness can be refined into beauty, a wonderful transfiguration takes place. For instance, compassion is one of the most beautiful presences a person can bring to the world, and most compassion is born from one's own woundedness. 
When you have felt deep emotional pain and hurt, you are able to imagine what the pain of the other is like. Their suffering touches you. This is the most decisive and vital threshold in human experience and behavior. The greatest evil and destruction arises when people are unable to feel compassion. The beauty of compassion continues to shelter and save our world. If that beauty were quenched, there would be nothing between us and the end darkness which would pour in torrents over us. Words of Irish poet and writer John O'Donohue from his book titled Beauty. We're about to meet an artist who is willing to wager it all on beauty and who has the courage to open herself to the possibility of bringing it forth in her work and her life, all rooted in her immense compassion, compassion for herself and for all of us who are in this together. Helen Lavelle is president and chief creative strategist of Lavelle Strategy Group, a marketing and public relations firm in Scranton, and she is a fine artist. A recent catalog of her paintings states simply, color defines her work. Storyteller that he is, John O'Donohue has much to say about color. As a child, I often watched a local blacksmith at work. He would place the silver horseshoes into a black coal dust fire to redden them. Under the fierce breath of the bellows, the mound of black dust was an instant furnace of redness. Perhaps, similarly, the very breath of life breathes into things until their individual colors flame. Somehow, Helen Lavelle seems to breathe in rhythm with the colors around her. John O'Donoghue writes about the artist Paul Clay in Tunisia in 1914. Clay proclaimed, Color possesses me. I don't have to pursue it. It will possess me always. I know it. That is the meaning of this happy hour. Color and I are one. I am a painter. Words of Paul Clay. Helen Lavelle is bold enough to proclaim, I am a painter. But she adds, I am a painter with purpose. And that has to do with woundedness and the power of art to heal, compassion and grief and love of people, love of the land. Helen Lavelle paid a visit to the WVI studios to talk about her passion and her painting and about whether there was an aha moment for her as there was for Paul Clay. I think it was there right from the beginning. I think it's cellular. I think that people who who have this passion for the arts that it's something that is part of who we are. It comes from it comes from a lot of different areas. For example, when I made the decision to go to Moore College of Art in Philly, it's the only all women's art college in the nation. One of the first things that I did was go right back to my roots. And a lot of my art in the beginning came from those who have gone before me. For example, my grandfather was a breaker boy. And one of the first lithographs that I ever did was of the group of kids that were breaker boys. And that connects to our community. And there's something about that that was very healing for me. I feel like art, the arts heal generations and suffering and pain. I, I, I feel that, that the arts allow us to stand with pride 
just just taking a look at the sacrifices that were made, I would never be who I am without those who have come before me. And you mentioned the figure, the figure of your grandfather and of the Breaker Boys. Human body is so critical in your work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm always brought back to the figure. I'm always brought back to something that's going to communicate visually that people can connect with on a a very emotional level. When someone sees the human body and someone sees someone that they may identify with or a feeling that they may identify with, it, it is not only healing, it's transformative in so many ways. There is one piece in my collection that I was really delighted was sold to immediately. I mean, he walked into the show. He walked right up to that piece and said, that's the one for me, Helen, right off the bat. And it was a very emotional piece. Uh, and you could see the, the human suffering. And you could also see that there was something in that particular piece that moved him and did move the audience. So I think it's really important to understand that for me, it doesn't matter if I'm painting a landscape or I'm painting the human figure. It doesn't matter. It's where I'm going with my art always connects back to something that there is always an emotional connection to it, always. And yet, if you render the coal scenes evoking the suffering that we must never forget, it's never a dark, nihilistic image, right? There's always that human spirit that comes through. Absolutely. It's resilience. It's hope. It's what we're made of here in Northeast Pennsylvania. And that comes out every single time, every step of the way. Do people ask you to do their portraits? Yes. I have a very good friend who's an incredible musician. As a matter of fact, right now, he has a new cut that he's done. The song is called Surrender, and it's Clarence Spadey. And Clarence is an incredible musician who has, and he's totally okay with sharing this, but Clarence has had his share of trials and tribulations. Clarence lost his son uh, a year and a half ago. And at that point in his life, he was going through his own kind of transition that was filled with glory and hope. And he started to work as a direct result of that suffering on a new album that is incredible absolutely incredible and right now it's number one on the charts clarence is from northeastern pennsylvania how about that for for resilience but i am in the middle of doing a portrait of his beautiful son who passed away and it was from addiction and clarence knows that i will represent his son for the true and wonderful spirit that he had but not unlike erica things in my own family I have lost a few members of my family to the disease of addiction. Therefore, a lot of the work that I do connects to causes that will assist. And I think that my art also will help those causes that exist. And one of those arenas are women in recovery because there are a lot of options for men who are in recovery after they get through a treatment facility. Women need a place to go to feel safe, and to learn the skills that they need to proceed in life. And I just think it's really important. And as a direct result of my own sister's death to the disease of alcoholism, a lot of the work that I'm doing around connecting my art to a cause goes to women in recovery. I know the arts healed me. 
So I believe that the arts can heal others. That is your painter with a purpose initiative. So you have formalized it directly. Absolutely. I, I, I realize that my career, I've been blessed with an incredible career. I brought myself back home to Northeastern Pennsylvania, like a lot of us have, and realized that I had to earn a living. I went to Marywood for communications, and then I went to Moore College of Art in Philadelphia because art was my, I knew that art was my soul, my, the, my essence occupation eventually would be that. So while I was busy making a living, that kind of took the back burner. Like every other mother that's trying to raise her child, every other female artist, for example, not to leave the guys out because that happens to them as well, but we're busy, busy, busy just getting by. And I realized that there are so many connections between how I healed, but also that every single artist has an opportunity to do something to help. And typically, what we do is speak the truth visually, verbally, through our music. We stand in the truth and we stand in what needs to be looked at truthfully. And if we really take a hard line look, people connect. And when they realized for me, being a painter with a purpose, that that really was the impetus for me to be able to take my my advertising, marketing, and public relations career and link it very closely with my essence occupation and now use this as a way to give back. And where I like to start is in Northeastern Pennsylvania. And so the categories Various collections address the issues and the concerns that are important to you. You've selected a number of issues to dedicate your work to. Absolutely. Well, the global pandemic has has shed a light for all of us on what means the most to us. So from my perspective, there were issues that were going along that were bubbling over is an understatement, as we know. But systemic racism is something that has just, you know, not only paralyzed us, but it has has done our country a tremendous disservice. So Black Lives Matter became very important for me. There was a wonderful woman that I worked with over my, the course of my career. Her name is Connie Cannon Frazier. And Connie was a woman that I met through my work in the American Advertising Federation. And Connie and I worked on diversity issues 25 or 30 years ago. In my industry, I grew up as a, you know, a young white female in a very male-dominated arena, which we, Connie and I, were really instrumental in changing the complexion of our industry nationwide which I'm really happy about because it was the things that we stood for, that we, we stood up on and said, you know what, this is really an important issue and we need to embrace it. And we all need to understand that we're all connected to each other and the arts help us do that. So your Black Lives Matter collection is made up mostly of portraits? Yeah, actually one of the portraits is of Clarence. And that's a beautiful kind of thing because Clarence didn't even know I did it. But there are portraits... There's nothing to say. My portraits in the Black Lives Matter collection are just straight-on portraits of people who are just like me, who hurt, are joyful, are, are thrilled to be alive, are 
navigating, they were navigating through a global pandemic. They were dealing with issues that were important to them. There's nothing to say when you see a portrait and a portrait moves you, those portraits of persons of color cause people to take a look at how similar we are, not how different we are. Is there something that is ever raised about you being a white female, rendering the souls of people of color? Does of anybody- course, of course there is. It's where does that come from? And I'm thinking, you know, if I go back to to my childhood, of course, I lived in, in northeastern Pennsylvania, which at the time that I was growing up, I mean, it was a, a basically an all-white community. It, and that's just the way it is. That's the community. And I'm really pleased because our community has changed so much. And we need to embrace and understand each other. And I think that that's really important. But I, I smile at your question because when the, when the question comes up, all somebody needs to do is trace my roots. Because when I was in high school, I, did, um, I won national speech tournaments. And the national speech tournaments in high school, it was the 70s, the early 70s. So I was coming off the heels of civil rights and what was going on. And I was deeply moved by that. So the poetry of Langston Hughes. You know, the Harlem Renaissance, the work that was going on with the Harlem Renaissance in New York in terms of art and music. You know, uh, one of the speech tournaments that I won was based on was based on Dr. King's speeches. And here you have imagine imagine what that felt like for the judges, a 16 year old girl traveling to Chicago to win a tournament that was a national tournament or to New Orleans the following year. Same thing. Having never left in my high school in Pittston, stopping in Birmingham, Alabama, and and sitting and actually seeing it myself through the through the eyes of a child, and you know, so anyone asks me the question, I could tell you this: it needs to be discussed, it needs to be talked about, and we are all in this together. Thank you for addressing it. The environment, oh, so important to me, so important to me. Nature neglect is something that we really need to take a look at. Our environment and agriculture, there's another arena. We live in the most beautiful and the most pristine part of the country, as far as I'm concerned. I think oftentimes our own folks just don't pay attention to how beautiful and how wonderful we really have it. But one of the areas that I think is really important is for us to take a look at the environment and to look at the plight of the small family farmer. And there's a farm that I'm affiliated with where actually I do do artist workshops at this farm. It's through the Spring Hills Foundation. Hull. So the Halls. So Margaret Hall, who I knew when I first moved back here, who's an incredible artist herself, an incredible sculptor. Margaret and her three sisters. So here we have women making a difference, right? So we have four sisters who have taken on the responsibility of literally paying attention to conservation efforts and also paying attention to the sacredness of our land and also to to do everything that we can to get people to understand that we have these sources available and Quite frankly, farmers are in a situation right now where it's very necessary to diversify. But they were doing it a long time ago. They've been conducting artist workshops at Spring Hills Farm for a very long time. And I am committed to making sure that proceeds from some of the sales of my online work goes directly to the Spring Hills Foundation because 
that particular foundation is so interested in preserving our environment, conservation, sustainability, organic processes, everything that is important. And it's in Pennsylvania. People think that that we're not ahead of our time. Spring Hills Foundation and Spring Hills Farm and the Hall sisters have been ahead of their time for decades, decades. You're also fascinated by the creative process itself. One of my mentors, he is from Ireland, and he lives and works outside of Philadelphia. His work is actually in museums and galleries globally. He's incredible. His name is Timothy Hawksworth. Tim, Tim helped me understand this about myself. I have always been an extremely competent artist. I have the education to back me up. I have had the opportunity to work with people who I really, really treasured everything that I learned from them. But Tim Hawksworth opened me up and understood that sometimes our competency gets in the way of our creativity. And that was happening for me. There's no, (laughs) there's nothing that should keep the emotional content that is in my soul from leaving my body and getting on a canvas as quickly as possible, enough so, so that it makes people literally have a visceral emotional response. And I was really happy to see that that actually happened. I trusted him and it happened for me. I watched people look at the work that was at Artifacts Gallery and respond that way. As a matter of fact, there were a few people that were moved to tears with with one of the pieces in particular, which I called the Pandemic Pieta. And I I was a little uncomfortable when I, I began that painting, but it had to come out. I realized when you think that 650,000 citizens in the United States were at death's door and we were losing people like that, that's where that, that's what fueled that painting. And quite frankly, I said, Tim, you know, <laughs> masters throughout the centuries have done paintings about the Pieta. And I, I said, Where do I get the nerve to do this? He said, Helen, are you kidding me? If not you, then who? And that kind of encouragement people need. If you're feeling that deeply about a particular subject, you need to go for it. And that's what Tim brings that that went way. He thinks it's about, I always tell him, Tim, you think that your workshops are about painting? They're not about painting for me. They're about life. You do your own work, and you give us an example of the courage it takes to do that. It also strikes me that if people could see, you are demonstrating about how the emotion comes up from the solar plexus and that place, that primal place, and comes up. And then you have, of course, the skills to render it. But you do have to have that sense of not trying to control it, right? Exactly. Oh, that is that is the best description that I've heard of it that I've heard before, Erica. I mean, we need to put ourselves out there, whatever whatever way we have to do it, all of us, including you, Erica. <laughs> you do it every day. I haven't seen you in your studio, but I would imagine you're a dancer at the canvas, are you? I, I can't, I can't. First of all, a lot of people can work sitting down. I cannot. <laughs> I need to be standing up. I need to be able to move in and out. And, and you know what, it's really funny that you said dancer, because I do feel it's a physical process as well as emotional and spiritual for me. It's physical, mental, spiritual, it's all of it combined. But I aggressively approach a canvas. 
You know, I cannot be, I cannot look at a canvas and be intimidated by it. I would prefer to throw paint all over it first and then come at it with what's going to come out of me. So I am physical. But when you talked about a dancer, for me, a beautiful painting has rhythm. It has movement. It has energy. It has a lot of times a melody. It has poetry. It has all of the arts are combined in a great piece of visual art. And a lot of times people don't know that that's what they're looking at. But if you have a response that that brings you there, you realize that you get goosebumps. You know, you start to you start to tremble almost at the energy because you could feel the artist's energy there. And for me, I feel like the most important thing, and I'm always the other thing is light. So I feel the vibration. Uh, I feel the vibration. I feel the light. I feel energy, and I feel that that as an artist, I have a responsibility to whatever I'm painting, to really look and see. It's intense observation, but the observation is coming from my soul as well. And oftentimes it is musical. It is. It's just amazing how everything connects. And then we connect to each other. And so the words attention in the moment. You describe the process as musical. It's hard when we're thinking about visual things. But what you're describing is being so present that you're listening, in a sense, to what you're beholding, yes? You know what's really ironic is that you're using the word listen. And I did a collection that has to do with exactly that. It is called Listen. And it's the ancient art of Helen Lavelle. If you listen deeply enough, you're hearing. I am hearing. And people have the ability to hear where we have come from, from a very long time ago. So listening is everything when it comes to creating a piece of visual art. The same thing as standing on a stage. If you are not listening to your fellow actor, if you are not listening to the director, if you are not listening to your soul, your performance is going to be not what it needs to be. So being in the moment, the ability to listen, the ability to listen to what it is that you need to convey. I can go into creating a painting with all good intentions, but the fact of the matter, Erica, is that I'm not creating that painting by myself. I'm just not. There's a a, a universal energy that flows through me, flows through my body. I have a responsibility to listen to what is that? Where is it coming from? You know, where is this coming from? And it's coming from a place much larger than all of us. And I believe that every artist, no matter what genre, has that, maybe not has the ability to to feel the same way, but certainly has the ability to get there. And what does it take? Is it meditation? Is it exercise, tai chi, qigong? What is it? All of the above. I mean, for me, for me, it is... <laughs> it it really is all of the above. But it took a long time for me to be able to be fully present. I don't want to live in fear of what may or may not happen in the future. I need to be fully present and grateful, grateful. Gratitude is everything. Grateful for this moment that I have right now with you to share with you my experience 
my strength and my hope around my art. You know, one piece I'm really excited about, and it's interesting because a lot of people connect to it and they don't know why, but I feel like it's a diptych and it's multimedia and it's an incredible piece. I have to say so myself. It's big. And it's the reason that it's incredible is because I painted it while I was in Ireland. And I was in Ireland with Timothy and there was a mountain across from the farm where we were holding our art workshop. And it's 40 miles south of Dublin. And at that time, I was staring at this mountain and the weather keeps coming in and the shifts in light and energy and color change on a second by second basis. And my responsibility when I was painting that particular piece was to move that mountain. That's all I kept telling myself. I've got to move that mountain, you know. And what it was really doing was I was moving myself. I was moving. I needed to move that mountain and make sure that I depicted everything about it that has everything to do with absolute beauty. Helen Lavelle of Scranton speaking with us in July of 2021 in connection with an exhibition of her work at the Artifacts Gallery in Pittston. Helen Lavelle is a classically trained contemporary painter who is also a nationally recognized leader in the advertising industry. She is president and CEO of Lavelle Strategy Group. She studied at Marywood University and Moore College of Art and the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts in Philadelphia. And recently she was invited to take part in an international art exhibition through the MADS Art Gallery in Milan in Italy. And the piece chosen for the exhibition titled Pandemic Pietà, which we heard about in our conversation with Helen Lavelle. For more information, on the web, HelenLavelleArtist.com, HelenLavelleArtist.com, and Lavelle is spelled L-A-V-E-L-L-E, HelenLavelleArtist.com.